Hey, it's comedian Bob Smiley, and you're listening to my favorite podcast. Uh, can you hold the cue card up? Uh, small town, fa- really? That's in it. Small town famous. Thanks for having me uh, on early in the morning. I like to do that because my voice sounds more like a man. Yeah. So, <laughs> I feel like I ought to tear right. the sleeves off my shirt and hold the remote control the whole time and fix, <laughs> fix something that's not broken, all, you know, manly stuff. <laughs> hey, well, how much time do you have scheduled today? I'm a comedian, I, so I don't have anything. <laughs> I, I, I was actually thinking about that. I was like, because uh, I'm, I'm on uh, Tim Hawkins' tour bus. We're headed oh. home. Yeah. Um, I'm actually in the in, under under the bay at the bottom. Cause, <laughs> so Tim Tim needs my bunk uh, to hold all the uh, cash from his merchandise sales over the weekend. <laughs> so right. you got to prioritize. Um, but yeah, I was thinking as I was getting ready to call you. You know, the hardest part of my day today is I had to untangle my headphones to get to do an interview. <laughs> and that's, that's it. That's all I have to do. So. Right. Uh, Man, uh, it's a blessing <laughs> to have you on. I can't thank you enough. Um, so what I'll do uh, is I'll do my little awkward uh, intro that we do for the podcast, then we'll go there. Is there anything before we start it? Is no, I think all of this should be on it. I think we should, even this awkward uh, setting up should be on it. Dad, let people that, just see what the behind the scenes is, man. There you go. Then we'll do it. All right. So we'll just yeah, go right well, in. I mean, <clears throat> I gotta say I'm huge fans of uh, you and. Um, George and what was the other guy's name? Like, <laughs> well, fan. All right, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, there you go. You're back. All right, so um, just want to welcome everybody to this special interview for uh, Small Town Famous. This is our first telephone interview. Yeah, tell already. And uh, we have a special treat Bob Smiley. Oh, this may not be a special treat because it is cutting out. Can you hear me there? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. This this may be a really interesting interview. Uh, yeah, we're going through uh, we're going through Kentucky, and I think they only have the one cell phone tower. Uh, you know, we're from Southwest Arkansas, and yeah. uh, honestly, that's what I was telling my wife. I was getting irritated about our internet service. Um, I was and I was saying, you know, I try to send an email, and you can actually see a pygmy jump out of my computer. Literally, <laughs> well, Little jump. Rock actually got a really good cell phone. T- I mean, it's not a cell phone tower, but it's a kid with a kite. Uh, but he's got some tinfoil on the top. So, yeah, the, the service is getting better over there. Man, that's right. Well, um, you know, we live in small towns in southwest Arkansas. And the size of it, when I looked down at Era, Texas, uh, that, that's where you grew up. Is that correct? I did, and it was population 281 when I lived there. So, yes. Yeah. So, Taylor is where I live. It has, I think, well, now like 600, but that's if school's in session. Uh, look at you uppity big town. I know, man. Growing up in a town that size, you know, it's it's special. You know, everybody knows everybody uh, when you go to school. It's like your brothers and your sisters, which makes dating very awkward. Um, what was it like growing up in a town smaller than most high school graduating classes? Well, I actually loved growing up in a small town because everybody knew everybody, and um, you know, so you had that accountability. That was good uh, growing up. Uh, my dad was a superintendent, so he, you know, I had lunch with him every day, and um, it was, you know, I and I did a research paper my senior year. <clears throat> my whole thesis was on 
how most creative people, like really creative people, came from very, very small towns. And so what I think is you have this lack of entertainment at your fingertips all the time, and so you have to create your own entertainment. So it causes you to be more creative. So I, I think growing up in a small town, and the joke I was making when it was cutting out was, uh, you know, you'd have to get up early to make sure you had a parking spot for your tractor. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was, uh, I loved it. It was, I had 17 in my graduating class. So, you know, you were, you got special attention from teachers. Sometimes that was not good, but sometimes, you know, if you were struggling with a class, uh, you know, which I always was, uh, it was, you know, you had teachers that truly could care about you because they, they knew what was going on in your whole life. So exactly. I, I liked it. That's a good point. Yeah, but you have uh, you have that interaction with teachers that uh, you, you just couldn't experience in a larger school. So how do you feel that growing up in era influenced your style of comedy today? Do you, do you, uh, do you make any correlation with that? Well, like I said, my dad is extremely funny. Um, and he's very quick-witted. Actually, I love telling the story. Last Thanksgiving, I was helping my mom unload some boxes from the attic, and she found her old ballet stuff, and she was like, uh, I used to love to wear this tutu, and my dad immediately was like, well, nowadays it'd have to be a 4-4. And, you know, and he's just, like, he's very good. I remember uh, my junior year in, in high school, I asked him if I was adopted, and without missing a beat, he was like, yes, but they brought you back. And, um, and so I grew up with this very quick-witted, father and so we would have lunch together in the cafeteria and so what helped shape and mold my comedy style was all the cool kids wanted to sit at our table because we were funny and so a couple of things happened one I realized comedy was a powerful tool that it would draw people to you and so I got a lot of my confidence uh, and kind of self-esteem from realizing that if I could make people laugh I'm giving them a gift and then they want to be around me because, you know, they're going to get that gift over and over. So I realized God had created a, a real powerful tool with laughter. It, it has healing powers. It can help people. Um, it also made me a cool kid because everybody wanted to come and sit and listen to my dad and I. So what we would do is we would kind of recap the morning yeah. and just talk about funny stuff that had happened or funny stuff that had happened over the weekend. And so it made me get in this mindset of constantly be looking for funny stuff. And so now right. as a comedian... You know, Tim Tim Hawkins and I joke that we don't really write jokes. We just live our life and then write down what we see, which is which absolutely true. And so, you know, it gets you. It got me in that mindset early on to start looking for the funny around me, which is a good life lesson as well. Because you know, a lot of people they get depressed or they have a lot of bad stuff going on. But if you're already in a mindset of looking for positive stuff around you all the time, it makes it that much easier to be happy and you know be content with life. That's good advice. You know, and I've heard you talk about that. You being in church, your dad was a song leader. Is that right? Uh, yeah, which is funny because he's not. Uh, he, neither one of us can sing at all. Uh, in fact, one of, one of my favorite stories on the road was I was touring with a band called the Supertones, and the lead singer always wanted to be a comedian. Uh, his name was Mojo, and uh, so I would give him a joke every night to go out and try on stage. And then one night he thought it'd be funny to call me out to sing this their last song you know like one chorus and he had never heard me sing before and so he was like hey you guys want to hear bob smiley sing this last chord and i was standing on the side of the stage and i was and i was motioning him and i was very serious i was like no this this is not going to be good and he goes no come on and he got the whole crowd to start chanting my name 
Uh, and so nice. because I don't back down from a challenge, I went out and I grabbed the lead singer's mic and put my foot up on the monitor like a rock star. <laughs> and I started singing, and he immediately ran over to the background singer because I, I am a horrible singer. And he started shouting, I'm so sorry, everyone. I didn't know. I have not heard him. I'm sorry. This is terrible. Sound guy, turn off his mic. <laughs> and they did. Um, did they really? Yeah, they really did, which they should have. I mean, it was painful, but, you know, I was embracing it. Um, so, yeah, my dad... But my dad led singing at the small church uh, where we went for just a little while, only because there was nobody else that would do it. Right. And so my dad would step up and, you know, fill in the gas. Again, I know this is supposed to be a funny podcast, but I'm thinking of all these life lessons I learned. You know, I, I learned from my parents, like, you step up and you do the job that needs to be done no matter what. And don't back mm-hmm. down. And, yeah. you know, even if you yeah. don't. And the Bible's full of that. The Bible's full of people that God used that were not great but they were willing to be used by him, and they stepped up and did the job. Well, you know, I've always heard um, that God doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the call. Um, yeah, that's, or, that's, that's a good know. word. So, um, you know, the story where, you know, the, the, the joke of, you know, stand to your feet and all that, I, yeah. I'm hoping that's a true story. Yeah, that, that actually was a true story. There were several times where <laughs> yeah. my dad would be up talking, and I would have a little side I didn't have the, as as good a filter as I do now. Uh, so I didn't realize early on God had given me a joke machine that was like the NSA cell phone listening device. Like it's always running. So yeah. I would just let it flow, and uh, it would get me in trouble a lot. But my dad was uh, my dad was song leader for for a few years, uh, several years, and I was in a small church, and it's just they voted on it. Or no one was paid to do it, or like today. Yeah. And yes, I hit home with me, and uh, it just reminds me of some things at church. But uh, I, I love that story story and how relatable it is and I can feel that small town kind of uh, mentality that you have and, and how it comes through it is unique growing up yeah. in a place like that you know I, I guarantee you can you can think of what that church smelled like having never been there but been in a small church like that with the wooden pews and the, the rickety yeah walls it was great man the singing actually was really good because it was very echoey and it was a cool way to grow up I read that your youth group uh, used to conduct uh, nursing home services. You know, a lot of churches in small town America tend to do that. I know we have to schedule a certain time where we may have there may be 15 churches doing a, a nursing home service in in town, and you just kind of fill up a slot. Uh, but that you would do uh, a little bit of stand up at the nursing home. Is that is that right? Yeah, that is absolutely. Where did you find that? Dude, I just dig in. <laughs> But I don't remember talking about this ever, but maybe I have. I mean, obviously I have, but yeah. Um, so our church would go once a month to the uh, retirement center, and we would we would do uh, a sermon and like three songs, and the sermon was only about 10 minutes long. But because it was a small church and because nobody else like had the – I don't want to say guts, but they just didn't – they didn't have the, the make – the design to be in front of people you know it was all sophomore freshman you know guys that that were really nervous to talk in front of people and I never had a problem with that like I would always get up and you know just get up and talk and so yeah the first one I did which I guess is the story you're alluding to was uh, you know you're supposed to relate to the audience but I didn't even think about that and my first sermon was about how joy can be contagious and the example I used was when you're out on a boat and you're water skiing, and if you wave to a boat passing you, then they wave back, and then everybody in your boat waves back, and then you end up everybody's waving, and you know it becomes contagious. 
And so my first time I'm looking at people that literally they were wheeling them in in beds and they were hooked to oxygen uh, machines. It looked like they were filming Cocoon 3. And, and I'm looking and I, and the first thing I said, I said, you, you guys know whenever you're water skiing? And I, looked, and I was like, the best intro. Best yeah. setup ever. Yeah. yeah, I was like, or, and I was trying to think of something that they would do. I was like, or you know how when the ice truck pulled up and delivered ice and milk to your door, you know, just trying to, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible, but, uh, you know, it's a good learning experience. Did you ever get heckled in a nursing home? Uh, I got heckled, but I found out, and this, oh, this lady was the sweetest, but she, I guess, had old age dementia and so didn't know where she was. And yeah. so a lot of times she would think that we were just talking. So if I said something about riding a horse, she would go, oh, I had a horse when I was little. And, and she would just take over like it was just a conversation. And so I would let her go. And then sometimes she would forget where she is and she would say, Hey, will you tell that boy to be quiet? He's too loud. I'm trying to read. And, you know, not realize that I was trying to conduct a service. So, yeah, I, I got heckled pretty, pretty good early on. Well, before you went to college, um, and after you were confident in your sense of humor, uh, I think you, you knew in your heart you were funny, you got that support from your dad that you were funny, or that validation. Did you ever experience a time where perhaps you really thought you were funny, but nobody else did, and maybe you found it out later? Did you ever have an experience like that? Wow, this is going to sound really cocky, but no. Like, looking back on my life, here's why I think I never experienced that, where I had confidence that I was funny and it didn't go well. Now, that happened early on in stand-up, but as far as, like, before college and even in college, I never had that moment where I was trying to be funny and I bombed. And I honestly look back on it and think it's because God was preparing me, because I never wanted to do stand-up. And all through my life, people were directing me, telling me I should do stand-up, uh, there were a lot of weird uh, situations that pointed to me having a life of doing stand-up. And so I think God was trying to direct me to do stand-up. And so I think he protected me from having a bad situation like that early on to make me draw even further back. Because people used to tell me all the time that I should be a comedian, and I'd flat out tell them, you know, no, that's, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was, I mean, there was even a time when I got in college this girl that I was really interested in and kind of started dating, her mom died of cancer right away. And then she'd been battling cancer for a long time. But I just started hanging out with this girl and her mom died. So it was an awkward situation to be in and I was really trying to comfort her. And so she she lived in Merkel out in West Texas. And so we drove out there for the funeral and then I got uh, invited to the whole youth group and so I, did, I knew her and I knew two other people in the youth group that I also went to college with <clears throat> and all these people had grown up together and the youth leader just turned to me and he goes hey I'm going to introduce you I want you to do some stand up and I was wow. like I don't do stand up and he was like no just you know just we really need some laughs and he turned and introduced me to like 40 people and it really put me on the spot and I mean I just felt this peace that God you know was with me and so and I'll be totally honest I stole a bunch of stand-up lines that I'd heard other comedians do to start with and then I kind of settled in and started talking about Merkel and started talking about the kids and and stuff like that and ended up doing a pretty solid set uh, of stuff and it, it, it was perfect timing too and so again I feel like God opened that moment up so I could walk out of that room going wow I've I actually really helped people 
yeah. through laughter tonight. So yeah, I really was kind of protected, I feel like. And, uh, that, that leads to, um, well, I had a question about Abilene. Uh, you went to Abilene Christian University. Um, yeah, Christian College. I love how they say, you can't put a price on it, but man, they'll bill you for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that you had, uh, that's where you got your, your official start. Then uh, you went and signed up for the stand-up competition that yeah. you've done some, yeah, you prepared some original material, but just in case it bombed, you were going to use a little bit of Jeff Foxworthy, and, but the yeah. Jeff Foxworthy stuff bombed because it, it wasn't you. Do you remember any of that original material? Yeah. Um it was, uh, this is bad because I was, you know, at a Christian college and talking about drinking and driving, but Foxworthy had a bit about his dad uh, drinking and driving. He was like, he's the only guy that got a DUI on a riding lawnmower. And uh, he pulled up and he saw his dad and his friends in a boat. And the cop was like, sir, you got to get out of the boat. No, it's not against the law to fish, but we do, uh, or to haul a boat, but we do require you to put it on a trailer. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and it was like, uh, and he's like, hey, um, you lost your skier about a mile back. I can't believe I remember that bit. Yeah, that's the bit I did. And, yeah. and it was weird because I opened with some jokes about the college and it went really well. And so I confidently went into this Foxworthy bit that I was like, oh, here's the meat, here's the good part. Mm-hmm. And it just bombed. And then thankfully I had jokes about the Abilene Zoo and some other stuff to, to end with. So then that went well. And then there was, a, I forget what happened, but some guy got up and walked around or something and I ad-libbed on him for like a minute and a half. And that went great because everybody could tell it was totally unexpected. and. You know that I was just really going off the cuff. We did it last night. We had a, a lady that was, <laughs> she sounded like a dolphin, and so Tim and I both just ad libbed on that for a long time. And you could tell people were like, okay, we're getting a special comedy show tonight because you know that's not material they've written. Nobody writes for a lady that sounds like a dolphin. So yeah, so that happened that first time I did stand up uh, for that competition uh, as well. Well, can you recall the first time that you just killed and you knew that, okay, the Lord's got me doing this. I'm not doing anything else but comedy. Well, that first stand-up competition I did, it really went well. I was pleasantly surprised. And so I walked off that stage and I was very cocky. I was very confident. Not that, okay, I'm going to do this forever, but it was like, wow, I'm really good at this. Now, I never wanted to pursue it. I still pursued my teaching degree and everything. And then I started, you know, I got this weird call out of the blue. For the listeners that don't know, you've obviously done your research. I'm really impressed. But um, I did that stand-up competition. And then uh, two years later, this guy calls me up, having had seen that competition. And he was road managing Clay Cross. And uh, they needed somebody to do merch on the tour. And Clay wanted a comedian to come out and MC and, you know, do jokes in between the act. And so this, this road manager guy who I went to college with called me. And... So I did the Clay Cross tour and did really well at that. And then the Newsboys uh, asked me to tour with them. And this is how dense and slow I am. I did both those tours, and then I was do- I started doing my own shows. And it was three, probably three and a half years into doing comedy when I finally realized, oh, I could do this. Like really? this could actually be my career. And I don't know why. I think because I had planned out my life so detailed that I was going to be a teacher and mm-hmm. I was going to live in Texas and I was, you know, that I had, I had my whole plan. And, and, and through it, I'd planned to live for God and do things for God, but I never actually stopped and, and asked God, what did he want me to do for him? I just was like, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to do it for God. And mm. I remember the moment that I realized that I could actually be a stand-up comic, and it was 
like three and a half years into being a stand-up comic, I was sitting in my kitchen in Nashville, and I was writing this bit about a dog, and I didn't really like it that much, but I was like, eh. And I, I thought, I don't even know why I'm, I'm working on this, because I don't know how much longer I'm going to be a comedian. And that was always my mentality. It was like, I was just going to do it till the gigs ran out. And yeah. I looked up, and I had a dry erase board with all my show dates on it, and I looked up, and I was like, I wonder how long I'm going to do this. And my dry erase board was just full of dates. And it was that light bulb going off of like, and I just started thinking of like all the shows I've already done, and I was like, wow, I guess this is who I am. I'm a, I'm a comedian. And so that was kind of the eye-opening. And it was, I was by myself in the kitchen, so it was kind of a nice little, you know, moment yeah. of God. Well, and, and that's exactly what I was wondering about. I mean, they're at that point where you knew the Lord was leading you, and you're like, okay, that's that defining moment that you can recall. Sometimes we have to go back, and we have self-doubt and things. We have to go back to those moments, you know, where, you know, in, in, in my career, when things are maybe slow, and you have to go back and say, hey, no, I, you know, I've been doing this a long time. We're going to be okay. The Lord's going to get me through it. But, yeah, like, um, uh, like five years after I started doing stand-up, I hit a patch where I didn't have hardly any shows i think i had three over the span of four months and so then i thought well okay maybe i was wrong maybe god had me do this for a season and so we just had our first son and so my plan was to do those three shows and the phone wasn't ringing at all and so i thought well i'm gonna do these three shows and then we'll sell the house in nashville move back to texas and i'll start teaching but in the meantime i've had to provide for my family and so i got a job interview to go work in a warehouse making banners and it was hot and it was going to be miserable but it was the only job that was available at the time and so I was headed out that morning to go interview for this job that I didn't want where I knew I was going to sweat all day in a warehouse making banners and when I right before I walked out the phone rang and it was the newsboys and they were like how many they were like how many dates do you have this spring and I was like well I don't want to brag but I've got three and uh, they were like well we have like and I forget the number but it was like 67 and they were like do you want to go uh, tour with us and so there were several moments like that where it was like God going hang on don't jump ship I got this and he just continued to provide the dates and the opportunities and and stuff so yeah there were several little moments like it even the first week I was on campus at college I was walking and this guy and his name's Donnie and I, I later was friends with him but he walked up to me and I didn't know him at all and I'd only been at Abilene for a week and keep in mind I came from a town of 281 people and there were 3,000 people on this campus so I knew no one but I'd been through freshman uh, welcome week and had met a lot of people but didn't know anybody and he walked up to me and he goes hey you should do a bit about hotel soap and I was like what do you mean do a bit and he goes you know when you do stand-up you should talk about the hotel soap being small and how it makes you look big and I go <laughs> and I go I don't I don't do stand up and he goes yeah but when you start doing it you should do that wow. and then he just walked off and I was like what just happened you know that like is it was crazy just, so and there was a lot of stuff like that where you know like I've, I really feel like God was speaking and mm. directing me and you felt that leadership throughout, yeah, throughout the building of your career. I'm assuming yeah. it just yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know this past year has been extremely challenging for you personally. Yeah. Uh, but man, you you got a great message that the Lord has given you through this, and and you know, and He does use our trials to to mold His messengers. And I heard you speaking when you first started opening up about it, and I learned about it. I believe on listening to Potty Break, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I immediately got on there, man, and, and I sent you, this has been months ago, well, 
Yeah, it was yeah. while while my daughter was we was at the state softball championship and 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 I heard about it and I was like, wow, that's by really the way, sad. Yeah, yeah, let me yeah. let me jump in and say, as a dad, great job sneaking in the brag about the state championship for your yeah, for your daughter. Yeah. That was really. Good. I was uh, I have to say we were accepting our trophy and uh, yeah. <laughs> you know the um, the book of Esther comes to mind and yeah, I love the just, New Testament. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you to me, all the things that you've been saying keep reminding me of Esther, and that when she is told that who knoweth whether thou art come to a kingdom for such a time as this, and it's that for such a time as this, yeah, and just how the Lord puts you in these circumstances, and if we just look around, be aware, the Lord's always working. We just don't look for it because He's always there. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And when we go through these hard times, we've got to find it. And when you're going through those times like that, just it touched me so deeply because I went through the same thing in 2001. Raised my two daughters up until got remarried a few years later and have two new beautiful kids. And he brings us through these trials and we come out better on the other side uh, if we allow him to work through us. You know, is that what you're seeing and being able to use what you're going through? But you're now being able to touch so many people with your story that's going through the same thing. I mean, there's an epidemic of the devil attacking marriages. Oh, absolutely. And um, just to kind of backtrack, because what I'm finding is not everybody even still knows, even though I've talked about it on countless podcasts and radio interviews and I've posted stuff. And yeah, my wife left uh, over a year ago, uh, filed for divorce and uh, moved in with her mom and, and it was out of the blue. And I've, I used to hear people say that, but I mean, it literally went from, I thought we were winning at life and I came home and she was like, I just don't want to be married anymore. And I'm just done. And so, and I point that out every time I, I talk about it, because I want to make sure all the listeners are caught up because when I did Tim Hawkins' podcast, I thought, okay, it's out, everybody knows. And then about a month later, I was in Bed Bath & Beyond, and I had a ton of those coupons. So I just posted a photo of me holding a handful of Bed Bath & Beyond coupons, and I just tweeted, just as a joke, all the women are finding out I'm single because, man, they're hitting on me like crazy right now. And the joke <laughs> was that they wanted the coupons. Right. And, man, it was. I was flooded on Facebook and Twitter of like, what? What does your wife think about that? You know, and I realized, uh, okay, just because I did a, a nationally huge podcast, not everybody knows about it. So yeah, so I, I'm sure you've got listeners that didn't know, but yeah, we've been walking through this for over a year now, and it's exactly what you said. There's uh, Esther's a great example. You know, James talks about you know pure joy and uh, is facing trials of many kinds, and that and we have to let those trials run its full course because God's going to use those trials to make you stronger. One of the things that my three boys and I really focused on this year is God saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, but not from the fire. And Amen. man, all year, that has really resonated with us that even though we're in the fire, we're dealing with a new life, new situations, and all that, God's been right there just protecting us from ever really truly getting burned. And yeah. it's made us stronger. And so, uh, you know, you ask about the ministry part of it. I just did three huge shows. Friday, I was with Tim Hawkins, and we were we were in front of uh, 19,000 people. Mm. And wow. then uh, Saturday, it was like 3,000. And then last night was, I don't even remember. But, but I mean, several thousand people. And every single night, I spent over an hour at my table not to sign autographs of adoring fans or anything, but to talk and pray with and, you know, meet people that are going through struggles and 
one that really stands out on Saturday, I talked to this, this mom who came up and she had her daughter with her and she was like, you know, my, my husband cheated on me and left and it was horrible, but I knew I could get through it. But I'm here to thank you because of your message. My daughter needs to hear it. And then the daughter stepped up before she could even finish and said, yeah, my dad, when he left my mom, he decided to leave me as well. And he doesn't want any part of me. And, you know, she was like, I need to hear that God is, is my perfect father and he's not going to leave me. And he's never going to stop loving me and he's never going to stop walking the path with me, you know, as long as I stay on his path. And so there's just been so many things like that. You know, I'm, I'm now, because I'm so past the, the true hurt and devastation of it all, Sure. Now, I'm not excited about, you know, here's what I always say. I never wanted to be the one to, to run with the ball, but if God tapped me to be the one to run with the ball, then it's an honor that he still wants me in the game. That's and right. So every time I hear somebody's story of, you know, thank you for the encouragement or, you know, I'm going through this, I'm now kind of getting giddy about it. Like, okay, I had a target on my back and Satan, you know, tried to, to cut me down at the knees. And God was right there to pick me up and go, you know what? I'm going to make his ministry even bigger. And that's what I've seen. And so, yeah, it's, it's been very encouraging. And I'm getting a lot of people. I had a ton last night, actually, of people that had been through it. And they were there to tell me messages of hope of just like your story, like, you know, remarried and, you know, beautiful family. And God took something bad and, and turned it into something, you know, a huge gift from him. Well, you know, and it reminds me you know, of Joseph when he says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing that uh, you meant this for evil, but, you know, but God used it for good. Yeah. Well, um, I know you're heading to Baton Rouge, October the 7th. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct, yeah. Man, there's so many people who have been affected by the flooding down there. I've got several personal friends who've experienced a total loss. We have a mission down there that just got established that was underwater. And preparing to go down there, obviously you booked these dates way ahead of time. But Well, uh, this one, no, you, this one was short. Like this one, they, oh, okay. they emailed me. I think last week or maybe two weeks ago and they said hey we are devastated we have so many people in this area that don't have homes and they're just and and I'm very sympathetic because I live in the woodlands north of Houston and like when the hurricanes hit there I mean I don't want to complain but I had one of my lawn chairs blow over and got scratched so my heart goes out to my fellow sure. brothers, and I know that's terrible to say, but but oh, but I no, know. Um, you can't help it. Yeah, but I no, I I mean we we really did. Thankfully, the woodlands was not uh, hit really bad, but yeah. just south of us, I mean I witnessed so many friends that that lost apartments and lost houses and stuff, and so I really do have a heart for that. So as soon as they said that, they said, you know, would you come just do a show just to just to make us laugh for a while? I was like, absolutely. So that, that actually got booked just like two weeks ago. So it, it, it's fairly new, and I just jumped on it because I really do. I mean, people need to be reminded that God hadn't forgot about them and that God still has joy, you know, in this life for them. Amen. As far as your bit, uh, and your bit, I, I, it, sound, it sounds so trivial. Like your, your act, your, your performance, that <laughs> sounds so much better. As far as your better. little joke thing, yeah. yeah I love yeah, when people joke, are like, are you the, the joke thing <laughs> you have going church, on. <laughs> I, I was at church last week, and this lady came up. She goes, so are you still trying that comedy thing? <laughs> like, yep, yep, 19 years uh, going. Uh, I'm yeah. still trying. Yeah, I'm going to give it one more week. You give it another week. Uh, well, uh, well, what have you done to prepare to go down there? I haven't written anything specific, but I've, yeah. I've already started being in prayer about, yeah. like, what message do they need to hear? What And the word I'm kind of getting and the way I'm feeling right now, now that could totally change while I'm driving over there, but... Mm-hmm is not to harp on the flood or to harp on the devastation. It truly is just to come in guns a-blazing with just 
jokes that they can forget about everything and just right. laugh and you know and just go from there. Uh, She's thrown away so all the Noah the, the Noah references. Yeah, like, yeah, not a lot of Noah <laughs> references. Yeah, thrown that away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> quote Malachi where he give the full tithes to me and I'll open the floodgates and. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna. Oh, I'm yeah, gonna reference yeah. any of that. Well, then speaking of Louisiana, uh, you know, we're not, I'm not too far from Shreveport. It's where we go when we go to the big city. You know, if you got to go shopping, that's where we go. And I've had the opportunity, and where I fell in love with you, I, you know, I've seen you perform there twice. Uh, are there any plans to come back to Shreveport? I mean, I think it's been a while. Tim, typically, you would open for Tim Hawkins, but um, any, any uh, plans to come back there again? I have nothing on the books right now, but I'm I'm always open for churches that want me to come do uh, an yeah. event, and especially if it's a drive date, it's so easy to just schedule something and yeah. you know and go over and do it. So um, you know nothing in the works, but I mean that's really up to the churches whether or not they really love God or not. <laughs> Hang on, I'm walking through the. I'm walking through the bunk area, so I always have to be quiet because the rest sure. of the lazy people are sleeping. So in your early days, um, who, who are some of your favorite comedians? Well, first, Johnny Carson was amazing. And my dad would let me, because I loved comedy even though I didn't want to go into it, but mm -hmm. I loved comedy from the very beginning that I can remember it. So my dad would let me stay up and watch Carson's monologue. And then if there was a comedian on, he would let me watch, stay up and watch the comedian. And then I had to go to bed. But... Yeah, which was sad because I was in college. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Johnny Carson was a huge influence. Uh, I like Gary Shandling, Seinfeld. Dennis Miller was, he a lot of times would talk over my head, but even then, as a kid, I loved his stand-up because he wouldn't dumb down his jokes or dumb down his references, and right. I really admired that. Even, even as a kid who didn't really know much about comedy, I was like, I really like this guy because he's saying, here are my jokes, and if you get it, then you're rewarded, but if not, then then I'm not for you. I like that confidence. Um, so yeah, those guys, Brian Regan, I, I really liked him, and uh, I was able to see more stuff of his because it was clean. And then here's another one of those moments where I realized comedy was a powerful thing. My grandfather died of cancer, and uh, he actually went in for a heart. I can't even think what you call it. Our road manager is sneaking in here while I'm doing a radio interview. Hey, Freight, you want to be on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> He's throwing things at me now. There's a lot of love in this bus. Um, so he went in for um, – anyway, it was just an operation on his heart uh, Oh, uh, to do a valve. They were going to put a valve in. And when they opened him up, they found out his body was just full of cancer. And so there was, there was hardly any hope. And he was just – oh, man, we were so close. And so I remember sitting on the floor and him sitting in his chair in the living room. And we were watching HBO, and Sinbad came on. And because Sinbad was clean, we were able to sit and watch the show together. And I remember hearing him just, like, first of all, covered in cancer, knowing he was going to die. And he was laughing. His whole body was shaking and just full of joy. And I even remember looking back at him and thinking, holy moly comedy is so powerful because here's a guy who has no reason to laugh and he has tears coming out of his eyes from joy um, so Sinbad was a big huge influence on me you know early on or not an influence but more of a I was a big fan because of what he gave my grandfather absolutely uh, it was really cool um, and being a bit uh, speaking of fans uh, you know I, again I'm kind of fanboy in here I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay cool <laughs> you know I know you're very health conscious and, and but uh, being on the road so much where do you like to eat where, where are some of your favorite restaurants and things or do you probably have like blue apron flown in or something <laughs> I just found <laughs> but, out about them but yeah, that'd be great 
I'm a creature of habit, and so I I eat at Subway almost every single time, yeah. uh, just because I can get a, a somewhat healthy sandwich. Uh, I'm not tempted to get fries. I usually eat that. If there's a uh, there's a chain called Super Salad, so if I can find one of those, Jason's Deli, you know, anything that has uh, like I a good Jason's salad Deli. bar, yeah. They have the best salad bar ever. Yeah, I just have to tell them to tell me the ice cream machine's broken. Just lie to me. Um, <laughs> just lie. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise I'll just sit there and stack it up. But, um, yeah, so I, I do try to eat healthy on there. So uh, mm-hmm. just salad, just anything staying away from fried food, burgers, any of that stuff. But yeah. it does get it, – it gets difficult. Um, and then so I've kind of just let myself go, well, okay, when I'm on the road, if I can't find something, I'll still have a burger or something. I just – like when I get back home, I try to – be a little more disciplined about juicing and you know exercising more and, and kind of making up for you know having to be on the road. So you're on the so you're on the bus right now on the on, you're on uh, Tim's bus, correct? Is that yeah, it? that's correct. And I know there's this running joke. A potty break is uh, one of my my favorite podcasts. Matter of fact, it actually is what inspired me and my buddies to do a podcast about small town. Uh, oh yeah. Fam- well, we call it small town famous, just small town America. But uh, I know there's this there was a running joke about your Australian accent, and I, it, it tickled me, <laughs> you trying to do it. It really did tickle me. Um, well, wait a minute, and, hold on. I'm, conf- on I'm confused because you said trying uh, it. Hello? Uh, 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 can you, <laughs> hey, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I did not hear. I, I, I heard the last thing I heard was me saying, have you been working on it? I'm sorry, it just went dead. So. Yeah, you know why it went dead? What's that? I think God smited you for saying that I couldn't do an Australian accent. <laughs> well, man, I can teach you how to sound Australian in just right, about five seconds. All right, I'm ready. Well, well, all right, repeat after me. The word good. Uh, as in Australian? Like, as in bad or good. No, just, just oh. say the word good. Good. Okay. Say the word I, like your, your I on your face. <laughs> I. Then might, like I might go to the subway. Might. Now say good, and then say I, and then say might all together quickly. Good I might. There you go. See. Say it, say it, good say I good. might. Good I might. <laughs> hey, see? go slam, go slam that in Tim's face, buddy. You're all... <laughs> we did a we did a podcast last night, and uh, they asked me to do a little bit more of it, and um, yeah, they always act like I'm not great at it, but I'm just I nail it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, uh, I sure appreciate all the time you took with me today. Yeah, it was fun. I want to end with one last thing, so because it's it's the elephant in the room. If, as far as me and my friends, there's an obvious question that all my friends want to ask. And yeah, and I, and I get this all the time. How do I get so muscular? <laughs> that was it. How did you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Right now, speaking from the from a tour bus, you know, the fame, all the glitch and glamour. But what we really want to know is this. What is it really like working with someone as cool as Freight and Caleb Mabry? <laughs> Tim and I stay in awe of Freight and Caleb. And, I mean, Caleb has limited Tim and I to one autograph per day. Uh, so, yeah, it, it really keeps us humble. You know, I did potty break uh, last night, and we were yeah. talking about that because now we're at the point where people are coming to shows – and well i walked out on stage the other night and right before the show started and this guy goes hey bob and i and i waved and he goes would you get caleb and i was like oh yeah i'll go get caleb and, i mean people are bringing uh you know we do a whole thing of fruit for freight um yeah right and so people i mean our bus is full of fruit now because people are bringing that i talked about uh chili cheese fritos 
and now people are bringing those to the show. Uh, they're bringing wow. ketchup because we talked about that on the podcast. Um, we're getting oh Tim had a mouse on the bus. I'm sure you heard the podcast. Oh, and, oh yeah, absolutely. And so they 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 were like, we want you to do stand up on this run. We want you to have fun as always. We want you to kill the mouse. And so I went total redneck and um and so somebody somebody brought me some mouse traps yeah. on Saturday and yeah. So I mean the podcast has really brought the fans into just being like family with us. But it definitely has brought fame to to Freight and Caleb and Queso and. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of fun to sit back and watch. Well, the podcast is such a it's such an int- it, it makes you feel it's different from radio, you know. It's uh, and yeah. from it's an intimate setting. I, I don't know what it is about it. It's more raw. Well, um, it's kind of like the one we're doing now is like we didn't, you know, because you and I didn't plan anything. You said, you know, is there anything you don't want me to ask? And I was like, no, let's just talk. But that's the way Tim's is. We don't plan anything out. We just, you know, w- once the bus starts rolling down the road, we just turn on the recording device. And we're like, all right, let's just talk like we'd talk if we were just riding down the road on the bus. And we found that that's what fans like. So it's, you know, it's that realness of like, okay, this is it. I I cannot find another one that simply just is guys talking. And, again, that's what inspired us. I mean, we have a name, Small Town Famous, and we have a website. We have a little brand that we're building. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, what made us do this is we thought about recording our games of Pictionary because oh, we, yeah. would, we would laugh so hard that our stomachs would hurt afterwards. So that just gave us this idea. And then when Potty Break came out, it was just uh, like, wow, you know, that's, that's what we're striving for is that yeah. that feel so uh yeah it's uh, it, it's awesome and uh, you're talking about the fruit and trade and and uh, the mouse young rich boy uh, yeah, spoiled, uh, rich uh, kid. Spoiled, spoiled rich kid. kid i'm sorry yeah uh, you know when uh, michael jr was on the podcast I, I, I tweeted this the other day me and my daughter emily she's my 19 year old she loves potty break anyway i created a t-shirt that says hashtag that ain't Craig. Or <laughs> that ain't Craig. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And um, anyway, so it's just little bits like that that nobody. We laugh at it and we say it all the time and we get oh, people yeah. look at it. it's like we have two heads. They have no idea. There was there was a family last night that came to the show, and they had all made shirts with quotes from the podcast. And so it was one said that ain't Craig. One said Gliffery. One was uh, something about the grammar Nazi, and uh, I mean, it was all references from the podcast, and they had made their own shirts, and yeah, I just yeah. love that camaraderie. Let me say this. I'm going to throw out a challenge. If if I ever come up and gig in your area, we yeah. need to uh, video and play Pictionary, because if you think my Australian accent is good, well, blimey, Mike, I'm better at drawing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. Well, uh, man, that's about all the time we got. I know you, you've got uh, sleep to get to or whatever you need to do. And uh, yeah, this uh, this Netflix isn't going to watch itself. So. <laughs> that's right. Well, where where can people find you? Uh, find your stuff to support you. Yeah, uh, bobsmiley.com, uh, which should be your homepage. And um, then I'm re- I'm really active on social media. That's how you contacted me. That's uh, right. Twitter is Bob Smiley Comic. Instagram is Bob Smiley Comic. My Facebook page is Bob Smiley Comedy. I try to make it a little more self-explanatory because it's mostly soccer moms uh, on there. And so, uh, uh, and then I'm actually on Snapchat, and I'm, my kids and I are putting a lot of funny stuff on there. But oh, okay. I got on Snapchat before it became like really big, so I didn't know it was going to be a thing. 
<laughs> so my Snapchat is is Bob Snapper Chat. Like I didn't even even think of a brand or anything. I just was like, I'm, I'm gonna be Bob Snapper Chat. And then I was like, oh, I've got three thousand followers. But I the, guess yeah. I can't change it now. Uh, that yeah. is catch, it's catchy, and that's a new T-shirt. Yeah, yeah um, Bob Snapper Chat. Hashtag was, Bob Snapper Chat. <laughs> I was on a um I was on a date the other day, and I laughed, and a snot bubble came out. And so I talk about on stage how um people called doubting you know call thomas doubting thomas because he doubted one time and i told the story of me laughing and it's not i was like i don't want to be known as snot bubble bob the rest of my life and i mean all of a sudden there were so many hashtags of snot bubble bob popping up on social media so that'll probably be a new shirt I'm praying for your safe travel home, um, Thanks, for all you guys, praying for your family, for your boys, and I just thank you so much for doing what you did by agreeing to be our first telephone interview, and I hope this went well for you. Yeah, yeah now I haven't gotten the, the normal gift basket yet, but you know, well, I mean, you guys are just starting out, so I can't wait to get it. <laughs> what is your shirt size? I wear uh, extra large in the chest and small in the waist. Um, <laughs> Or a medium, if you don't okay. have that one. <laughs> well, I'm going to send you a small town famous T-shirt that uh, we've created, and we're going to come up with a special, special gift or some kind of small token of appreciation. And this will be. Well, hey, uh, actually, don't limit yourself. It doesn't have to be small, man. Like think, think big. <laughs> well, what is your? You want my well, address? I can, I can give that yeah. out on there. Oh, okay. yeah, just yeah. What's the address? P.O. Box 8723, The Woodlands. Make sure you put the V. We're very proud of the V. Because <laughs> there's another Woodlands in Texas, and if you've been to it, you'll see why we're very proud of the V uh, <laughs> part. So, uh, P.O. Box 8723, The Woodlands, Texas, 77387. And, right. and you can put that you can put that on the air because I get letters from kids, like handwritten letters from kids, and I reply to everybody. And uh, oh, right. I like that. Like I like that. And again, that goes back to small town. It's usually kids from small towns that just they're on the bus going to school and they'll write me a letter and mail me a letter and so I get to correspond with them through something other than staring at a screen which I'm all for yeah uh, would you do me a favor if you wouldn't mind uh, we're trying to get most of our guests to do this now that of course been in the studio but uh, only if you're comfortable doing it they have done me the favor of saying hey everybody this is say your name and you're listening to small town famous would you mind saying hey everybody this is Bob Smiley and you're listening to small town famous Oh, yeah, no, I, I can totally do it. You ready? Yeah. Hey, this is comedian Bob Smiley, proof that Ritalin doesn't work on everyone, and you're listening to Small Town Famous. <laughs> okay. You want me to do a couple try, more? Yeah, sure, man. Hey, let me try not to laugh. All right. Hey, this is comedian Bob Smiley. I'll pause while you say who. Who? Yeah, that should be long enough. <laughs> you're listening to Small Town Famous. All right, let me do one more. Okay. I just thought of another one. Hey, this is comedian Bob Smiley, and you're listening to my favorite podcast. Uh, can you hold the cue card up? Uh, small Town Fam Really? That's the name? Small Town Famous. Yeah, I love it. Uh, that's the one. That was it. <laughs> that's the take right there. Awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate it. Let me know when it comes out. I sure will. All righty, man. We'll see you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.